to our next one i guess next up we have a pam pick oh my yes. god this is so unexpected <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so unexpected that she didn't even watch this one i didn't either. watch it i didn't i didn't watch any of that surprise um but let's go ahead and let you pam introduce what did you decide to pick okay so i chose tommy <laughs> And here's why. What? No, I'm just kidding. No! I chose the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I chose this one because it's been tied to me closely since elementary school. I Wow. Yeah, I saw it when I was in, I think, third grade, and I became obsessed with it. Um, the movie or a stage production? The movie. I only okay, have okay. seen the stage production once. Um, oh, and then right. I went to a live screening of the movie once too, right. like the midnight, you know, the midnight right, madness. Right. Um, yes. And honestly, like my childhood, one of my childhood friends and I both bonded over this movie and we would quote it and sing it all the time. And our teacher mm. thought we were so weird and we <laughs> were, um, yeah. but it's just, it's just so kitschy and stupid. And it's the kind of humor that I love writing now, you know, where it's so <laughs> bad that it's good. It's culty. Yeah. It's, it's sick. It's gross. It's fun. It's well, we brought up runaway clone earlier yeah. uh, that we collaborated on together. It's very rock. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, the sci In science tone. fiction, the, yep. yeah, I'm, yep. I'm heavily influenced by this movie. I think more than I realize sometimes for sure. Is it something that you watch yearly? Is it a tradition for you? It anymore? used to be. Oh, I used to watch it every New Year's, actually, um, hmm. which is, Fun. I guess, odd. But I, I <laughs> haven't. I hadn't seen it for years. I think after you've seen it like a million times, you kind of, you know, it's just something. It's like Guffman. Like I can quote every word right. to it, but I don't. <laughs> I don't watch Guffman every year. So it's kind of become that part of my background more. CJ, what do you have a background with this show or movie at all? I I just knew that everybody loved it, um, and I watched it a couple years ago with a guy I was dating. That he was like, "You haven't seen it? It's so good. We got to watch it." And that was the first and only time I saw it. And then I, which sat is by the way, the worst way to a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is it? Uh, keep going. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I just I literally just watched it for the second time this last week. Um, wow. What about you, Scott? 
Oh man, so I have I have uh, a long history with this. It's interesting because m- my relationship with it is very much started with seeing seeing it live at midnight showings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in well, I didn't grow up. I, I was an Air Force brat, so I came up in in the Panhandle of Florida. Uh, but we had a Suds and Cinema which was um, a a, a duplex theater. And on Saturday nights, they would show Rocky Horror in one theater and Heavy Metal in the other theater. And it was the first time that this is, you know, right as I'm discovering theater and starting to get into acting. And, you know, I'd been into movies and all that for a long time. But to go to it and to see it, the freak show, and I mean that in the most loving way possible (laughs) because it was it was you know such a conservative area and to see you know people come out and literally come out (laughs) um Mm -hmm. you know and uh it, it was so invigorating for me and then so i saw it many 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 times at the midnight showing and sometimes i would jump in and and do eddie but mm-hmm. most of the time I would just watch. And then um, then I got to see it in the village in 1992 uh, in New York City. Good like, year, and, good year. And it was just like... and, and for wine. <laughs> and just just to, to, to watch it get notched up another level in New York mm-hmm. City, you know, strap on dildos. And just like, it was just like, it was... Uh, so it's always been this sort of magical uh thing for me specifically the doing going to those midnight showings Um, i went to a midnight showing in new york and a a grain of uh rice scratched my cornea oh no (laughs) sometimes it gets very violent throw the the hell out of the rice i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i grew up um knowing that there was these midnight showings of this thing at the Orpheum Theater in Wichita, and it was a really big deal, and I'm pretty sure my brothers would go, and I it was sort of like a rite of passage in Wichita, where it was like, once you're 16, you can go to this show, mm-hmm. and, you know? And so, you know, finally turned 16, and a bunch of us went to see it, and it was the first time I had ever seen it. I knew nothing about it. I knew the songs, kind of, but I was sort of like, I don't know what this is. And I went, and I was like, this is everything (laughs) i think i was 15 i think we were actually like sneaking in a year early we like did a whole thing and we went in and we i was obsessed i wasn't dressed up so people gave me a really hard time Uh but i was like these are my people i found them Mm. these are the people i didn't know existed in wichita Mm. like you know Mm. what i mean that's how it felt and it's kind of the same thing as you scott but and so i fell in love with it and it just became this thing where i was like no i don't enjoy it i don't sit and watch it necessarily just for fun but i love the camaraderie it's an that experience it, yeah mm. it is and i love the referential stuff about it now that i'm way more versed in like film and like sci-fi like old era like all the b stuff that it's or like d stuff that it's mm-hmm. referencing and like i'm like so into all that but my best story about uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, Rocky Horror Show specifically, is that I was so uh, incredibly uh, happy to accept the role as Brad in a production. I played Janet. That... Uh, did you? Yeah. Why didn't you tell us that? Tell us about playing Janet. Well, 
I don't want to interrupt your story about getting to play wait, wait, wait. Brad. I wanted you, I, we, we got it. We got a We're connoisseurs of context. <laughs> your context. This is your pick. What, what, tell me about that first. Cause mine's weird. Well, we, I rented out this huge theater space, a uh, producer's club in midtown Manhattan. And, um, we screened a bunch of horror movies. It was for Halloween. We had themed rooms, um, there. And one of the rooms we did a staged production of Rocky horror. And, uh, I don't know if you guys know Carson Higgins, but he was our Frankenfooter. And um, I played... I do know Carson Higgins. Yeah, I played uh, Janet, and I had a very long wig, and I got to sing Fairy Soprano. And it was uh, <laughs> it was a good time. It was the first time I've ever been in my underwear in front of people, so that was uh, horrifying. But yeah, it was a really good time. Love that. Carson Higgins of Love Actually the Musical fame. Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. And American um, so, Idiot, too. He was on the tour. And American Idiot, right. Uh, so I got asked to be in a production of Rocky Horror that was sort of an unauthorized backyard production okay, <laughs> in, in Silver Lake. And they were like, we're just putting it up for fun for like a bunch of friends, but we're going to, it's like, bring your own beer and it's going to be like this whole For cousins, thing. aunts and uncles, that kind of <laughs> thing. <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah, this sounds so fun. Um, but I showed up and it turns out that it was like this kind of really interesting group of people, including the woman who played our Frankenfurter. Her name is uh, Heidi Solzman, who has an incredible IMDb. DB, you should check it out. She's in most recently the movie Hell or High Water, which she was fucking incredible. Oh yes, but she's around. yes, yeah, she's fantastic. Does a lot of VO work, all this other stuff. She's great. Shout out to Heidi. I've seen her in a lot of productions. Been in a lot of stuff with her since then. Mm -hmm. um, she's gotten me a lot of work. Love her to death. Uh, but she was our Frankenfurter, and she, you know, knows some people, and so she brought a lot of really great people in to work on it and as well to come see it. But it was the way that we sort of uh, put it up was that it was. Rocky Horror Show, same songs, new lips. Mm. Okay. Mm. <laughs> the idea was that it was very miscast. Like, everybody was just, like, way off base uh, in terms of their casting. The closest casting was... You as Brad. Brad yeah. <laughs> yeah, me as Brad. But I'm, like, a huge dude, right? So I wouldn't normally get cast as Brad in a normal production of Rocky Horror, right? But I, I can definitely do the part, kind of. It's in my wheelhouse. Word, so. Yeah. I, I get the part. It's very fun. But like our, our Rocky was like this man in his 60s who was, you know, a little large and we covered him in like beans and it looked like disgusting. It was like really fun. But like Riff Raff actually um, uh, was buried in the garden and came out of his burial to sing the first Flow Morpheus, flow. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, And it was like epic. Like this whole production was just insane. And there was maybe like 60 people there for the actual performance. It was one night only. Huh. We we did a lot of interaction with the audience and did the whole bit. And we were walking through the audience singing There's a Light uh, over at the Frankenstein place. And I caught eyes with somebody. And I went, oh, my God. And it fucked me up. I actually fucked up the song because I was so taken aback by the person that I saw in the audience. It was, in fact, Adam Pascal and his wife. Wow. Wow. And I was That's like, in fact, you can check out on my Instagram. There's a picture of me and the, the woman who played Janet and Adam. Oh, wow. And we, he played Riff Raff on Broadway huh. for years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I was just like, uh, this is fucked up. What the fuck is happening? We finished the show. And afterwards, he comes up to me and he gives me a glass of wine from his bottle, he pours it and he hands it to me and he goes, hey, nice legs. <laughs> <laughs> and we just had a great laugh and we ended up talking for about an hour afterwards and he's like the coolest, oh, most down to earth nice. dude. 
we didn't really talk about the show too much, which was great. We actually just got to talk like LA and theater and like, you know, back and forth. And his wife is phenomenal. And just, it was one of those really surreal LA moments of mine. That was like, it was my second year here. And I was like, Oh, I'm in like a very real place all of a sudden Mm -hmm. where Wichita just always felt very secluded. Yeah, or like not the real world. People right. always say, when you get to the real world, and I'm like, when's the real world? I thought we were in the real world. Are we in the Matrix? What's happening? But <laughs> yes. then I came here and I was like, oh no, this is reality. Like, this is where things are happening. This is where the people who are successful are going to little backyard parties just to see their friends perform in fucking Rocky Horror. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is the real thing. I'm going to shut up now. Um, <laughs> Great um, story. I, it's just the only cool story I'll ever tell on this podcast. Hardly, um, so, hardly, hardly true, my friend. Uh, hardly true, my friend. But I, I will say this. Uh, to me, this is like the definitive definition of a cult classic. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, I would 100%. almost argue this begins the phrase cult classic. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, well, maybe Valley of the Dolls, too. But yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but sure, yeah, but, and it, but in a different be- way. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. But that became cult classic even later, I would True. say. Like, this is almost like right off the bat, it was a cult classic because the story goes is that people would go see it and they were sort of bored by it. They were it. bored, they really and that's why they started throwing things and saying things because right. they were like, we thought it would be more fun that way. <laughs> just, it was sort of almost... How I experienced cats. Yeah. I went and saw cats one night and people were, everyone there was dressed as cats and they were screaming. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, is this my favorite experience at a movie theater ever or my least favorite? Right. You can't. Um, it's, it's, it was great. I, I was just going to say, it's, it's, it's interesting how it evolved. Shall I do my little quick bio thing? Like Please. just real fast. <sighs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Bailey. Um, <laughs> no, I love this. Part. No, no. I love this part. It's, uh, you know, it, uh, it was written by Richard O'Brien, uh, who plays Riff Raff in the movie famously. Yep. Yep. Uh, he basically wrote it, um, during a long winter, he was bored uh, and he wasn't working, so he 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 wrote it. Um, but he had been in a production of um, uh, of Hair, and then he um, was in a chorus uh, for Jesus Christ Superstar, directed by Jim Sharman. Um, Jim. So we can we connect our Jesus Christ superstars to our Rocky Horror, and they also did um, the Unseen Hand by Shepard, um, which I just think is fascinating that huh. Sam cool. Shepard was involved with it. Um, and then uh, O'Brien had been in a production of Hair with um, Tim Curry, and so that they were all there. Um, so it was originally done um, at the Royal Court Theater upstairs, uh, starting Where's on. Sarah Kane? Yes. Produced a bunch <laughs> of did her shit. And let me just say that, like, this show wouldn't have even happened without uh, Jim Sherman believing in it. Like, yeah. he believed in it so much that he pushed it forward and got it to a bigger house after they at a, a company allowed them to do it in their small upstairs theater too. Right. right. Yeah. And then it, it kind of slowly blew up, and so it started in '73, and then it went on to do 2,960 performances. It won the 1973 Evening Standard Theater Award for Best Musical. Oh, um, and am I wrong that there's still a, a, a production of it that runs near oh, yeah. the West End, if not on the West yes. End? Yes. Um, awesome. That's so cool. Then uh, in '74, it opened on Broadway. It wasn't a huge hit on Broadway. It got one Tony nomination. Blah blah blah. But it wasn't 
a big deal. It then moved to Los Angeles with the cast, including Tim Curry. Um, and that's when Lou Adler got the rights for it. And uh, Lou Adler's a huge and, record producer. And, and and that had Patricia Quinn as well, didn't it? It had, yes. it had most of the cast besides Sarandon and Bosworth. Correct. Patricia Quinn, yeah. Nell Campbell, they were all in that. And well, originally Patricia Quinn did it because she heard science fiction double feature and was like, this is the greatest song I've ever heard. Ever. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is so sad because she doesn't actually sing it. She doesn't. Richard O'Brien does, but she, but she's the her... lips. Yeah. Yes. She's that's the lips. so great. Yeah. But it's kind of, that kind of sucks. I would have loved it, but it also is so iconic as his voice. It's like, great. she was right. bummed to say the least. Like she was bummed. Sure. But then when they offered her the, the lips, she was, you know, also, I'm pretty sure the Magenta character was meant to be Magenta and the Columbia, um, Columbia character were meant to be one thing at, at one point, yeah. but then they found Little Nell and they were like, Let's She make was this just two tap parts. dancing her little heart out for ice yeah. cream. And on the went. <laughs> um, the other thing that I found fascinating about the, the way that it, it unfolded after they sh shot the film, they did release, they did sort of a you know, big release of it. Uh, Jack Nicholson was at the 1975 premiere. Mm. Uh, he and Lou, he and Lou Adler sit together at all the Lakers games. If you want to know who Lou Adler was, right? Um, then it ended up. Then they strategically started going. Oh, you know what? Let's slow roll this. So it is the longest opening of a major motion picture in movie history. It took like mm -hmm. eight years for them to do a full national rollout of it. And then as that happened, then the, then the cult stuff and the, and the performance and all start, they start story. all over the place. Yeah. There's a great story of princess Diana. Obsessed. Yeah. She loved Tim it. Curry. And she walked up to him. And I guess the only thing she said, or first thing she said was Rocky horror picture show, uh, completed my education <laughs> with a, with a sly like a wink. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. I yeah. love that story. Um, Tim Curry, y'all. So oh my God. It's, I it's, mean... it's unbelievable. Oh my like, God. But I love, uh... I love this story that they were doing a midnight show in Manhattan and he showed up in character and the, the uh, staff at the theater would not yes. let him in because they said he was an imposter. <laughs> <gasps> As... Wow. <laughs> got his passport to prove it and they were apologetic and he was like i'm not coming in anymore <laughs> oh. no that's very tim curry i love that he you know uh, there's been a lot of videos circulating of him recently because he's not been in great health but he still does a lot of like tours talking yeah. and he gets a lot of questions about the show and everything he says is like a amazing brilliant one-liner yeah. it's always very He's just, he's just a, uh, a world. His wit treasure. is still very much intact. Oh yeah. Yeah. Intact. He's Absolutely. been, I've been following him on Twitter a lot recently and he's just on fire. Like it's just. And this, this is my favorite performance of his number two being, um, Home Alone. Uh, yeah, the, I agree. No, no that's, kidding, number three. <laughs> that's number three. I would put that up there though. Number two though is, uh, in Clue. Yeah. As uh, the butler and at Bosworth and number four, can anybody guess what my number four Tim Curry performance of all time? I'll give you a hint. He plays the villain. Legend. Yes, he's bad. He's he's badass. Prince of Darkness. Well, he's so bad. And the thing the that um, that is insane. Uh, I discovered recently and texted CJ because she and I have been rewatching the Clone Wars. Is he does the voice of Palpatine <sighs> in the Clone Wars? Oh shit! And he's so fucking great. Side. 
It's so good. He's so, so good. He's so good. Uh, he just, I, yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, I, I'm pretty, pretty straight cisgender white dude. And, but like, just being like, titillated by him and man, everyone I, wants to like, fuck him like you cannot like Everybody. it's just like it's he is on it like just the takes to the camera and the winks and yeah. the eyebrow and he, oh man his he, lips he is and shiny. Patricia, oh, oh it's grandmaster it's grand it's the mouth work in general uh -huh. the mouth yeah we, uh, i was watching it with my roommate brian krasner a uh, uh, friend of the podcast Kras and he's like Kras he's like it's the tongue it, it's the tongue he bites his tongue he sticks his tongue out and he bites it like in these little um, moments, the teeth and oh, the lipstick. Forget it. And as we all know, since mouths and butts are, are the, the same, same thing, well, he's doing great butt work. Too. He he started doing the role with a heavy German accent, and then he switched right. it up um, after hearing, I think, somebody speak in like a sexy right. Uh, and he was like, "Nope, British. She, Frank's a queen." That's yeah, he's got It's got it. Yeah, I think he's phenomenal. I think he he and. Uh, Pat Quinn were huge sexual awakenings from sure. me, I think, as a yeah. high schooler, just being like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I, I, I didn't realize that this aesthetic and also like carnival twisted, yeah. whatever you want to call it, is is very interesting to me. Oh yeah. Um, oh, may I just uh, say, I lost yeah. my fucking shit when I was reminded <laughs> that Meatloaf was in this. Yeah, yeah. I grew up with a ton of bad out of hell in my life, so <laughs> I love Meatloaf endlessly. Meatloaf yeah. and the director bought tickets to see the movie when it first opened, and they were the only people in the theater. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's so he's such an odd character in the history of theater because he well he he'd been on Broadway a couple of times. He'd done Hair on Broadway and uh, and all that, yeah. and and he kills like he kills it in like that that song is just a fucking fantastic number. And, yeah, yeah, he's a weirdo in real life, but uh, mm -hmm. who, who Speaking isn't? Speaking of numbers, I want to hear what are, what are y'all's favorite numbers from the show? What's your ultimate number from Rocky Horror? Like, what are you like? That's the one that I just think is perfect. Oh, man. Well, well, melodically, I have to go with Frankenstein Place. It's just yeah, the darkness great. must go. The use of minors mm, and mm. chords in that song is brilliant. But I also am a huge fan of Rose Tint. Love Rose Tint. Mm, yeah. Oh, I think it's 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 got to be that that sweet transvestite. Mm -hmm. His oh. his debut is just that's just an entrance like nobody's business. I yeah. I love They're all of it, but that one's just I, I get so excited knowing that it's coming up, especially Early after on. Time Warp. Like that comes mm -hmm. on after which time was warp. written just to fill time, <laughs> right? <laughs> the most famous song from the movie, and it was just meant to to kill some. Some minutes. Oh, I love it. There was actually a directorial decision made that got snuffed by producers, but it was actually the whole movie was going to be black and white until we saw Frankenfurter in the elevator. That's right. And the first thing we saw of color was his lips. Ugh. And they said, no, 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 it's, it's too, it's too, you know, people will walk out, like whatever. And, and so they didn't get to do it, but that would have been a great sort of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Right, for mm -hmm. sure, for sure. Siege, favorite, favorite number in this one? Oh, definitely, same as Scott, say, that he's so good. And I mean, like, Time Warp was another one of those things that, like, even though I've only seen this movie twice now, that was the one that it came on. I was like, I know this song. I've heard it a billion times. So, like, I, I appreciate that for, like, the sing-along factor. You yeah. can also, if you get a song that people can like buy the second chorus either a sing along with you or follow the dance moves you've created a really excellent <laughs> song right yeah 
Uh, I'm a touch a touch a touch a touch me fan. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I want. I love the Columbia Magenta stuff. Down, down, down. Like that kind of shit gets me every time. I'm really into the weirdness of all of that. Um, and Susan Sarandon, y'all. Let's talk about oh, Susan. Oh yeah, she's great. She's oh great. yeah, she's solid. Yeah. She and Barry, like Barry's great, especially like at the in that closing number when they are all uh, demedusid, and he he's in his the full makeup and stuff. Like he kills yes. it. Like he's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah. And Richard uh, O'Brien, really, man. Yeah. Like he's yeah, having a blast. Richard's great. He's having a blast. But Barry and and Susan were the only two that were brought in that hadn't really touched the musical before this but they were sort of the names, quote unquote, that were being And it's funny because Steve Martin auditioned for Brad. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, wow. Steve Martin auditioned for but Brad. But that would have been pre-SNL Steve Martin, right? Because he's late 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he'd yeah, been yeah. a writer so up to that point. But... Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Mick Jagger wanted Frank. Of course. Mm. Interesting. I mean, that would have been a thing, but it would have, to me, that would have made it such a Mick Jagger thing. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where we would almost watch it as like a Rolling Stone. Well, they were film. so loyal to the original cast, except for yeah. for Brad and Janet, they brought in, right. you know, relative right. names. But yeah, they, they would never have let Curry slip through their fingers. No. Has anyone ever seen, especially Pam, I want to know, has anyone ever seen Shock Treatment, the follow-up? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Richard O'Brien does a follow-up to this film a few years later called Shock Treatment that is, uh, it, it's it's Brad and Janet again. They're recast. It's the woman from Suspiria. Mm-hmm. I forget her name. And the guy from, the dad from Flight of the Navigator. I don't know either of the names. I apologize. Uh, horrible references. But they um, uh, are Brad and Janet in this sort of new world of reality television. And they're sort of stuck in this reality show. And it's, Awful. I've watched it a couple times. Here's okay. Let, hold on. <laughs> hold your horse. Because I agree. The first time I watched it, I was like, "This is. I can't believe this exists. What is the point? I don't understand." But if you watch it as like weirdly as like a Terry Gilliam Black Mirror type episode, does that make sense? Like if you made it like a if you in your head were like, "Okay, I understand that this is like not meant." Like if you take Rocky Horror out of it completely. And you go from this, it basically predicts how we're going to watch reality television, mm. like the way that we're going to consume television in in 40 years from when it came out. Mm-hmm. And it, that that excites me about it. But I can't I ride that concept through that entire movie, though. That's the problem yeah. is that then it's 90 minutes of you being like, I get it from the first. 10 yeah. Minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's not to me, it's not a worthwhile film to watch. But I know people try to like revive it every once in a while as a show and they try to put they they do screenings of it and it's always just like why i don't need that rocky horrors is already everything i want from that sort of mm-hmm. thing yeah you know? he he tried he tried three or four sequels spin-off kind of things that never never quite took it it's it it's clearly just it it it, it just was the one of those magic things that happened of its time and of its yeah. place. And did anyone watch the live Laverne Cox uh, version since we're talking about the live? Oh, no, of yeah, I did not. Yeah, I did. I not good. It, uh, but it, 
seeing Laverne Cox take on that role and change the wording and they they did a few things that were kind of interesting was fun but to me it's the same as Rent where I'm like why are you doing this as a live show yeah. if you have to edit things if you have to put right. them in more clothing if you have right. to like it to me it's like don't do it don't then. do it, 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 it's a different it, piece yeah it should just yeah it should not have been done on primetime television as a, a live thing you know and yeah, yeah I don't uh, I've seen two productions of, of the the live show uh, that um i actually like it's interesting because i it's very hard for me when watching the movie it, it was it was very hard for me to watch the movie and separate myself from the experience of seeing the movie with a live audience and, and yeah all that. right right um and, and cjy i think it's really it's like almost i hate that you haven't seen it in that sort of circumstance because that's why we love but it but the good news is she can it's still playing midnight right, shows right. yeah we should we should when everything gets back to normal we should go because i haven't yeah. gone in years but that's the one thing i noticed in this most recent watching of the movie is that by the end of the movie i'm ready for it to end and in in the experience of seeing it live i'm 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 not i'm in still i'm still revved up at the end yeah. i enjoyed it and i totally understand why it has the following and people have the love for it that they do i mean it kind of reminds me of like <laughs> the first time that i did community theater i was like <laughs> oh my God, there's other people out here like me that mm -hmm. like like the same things that I do and don't think I'm a fucking weirdo for doing this stuff. And it's true. I, it's like you're a part of an inside joke, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, right, I just, right. I, you know, I mean, ugh, this may be blasphemous of me to say, but it reminds me of um, Forbidden Zone. The, the little that I know of that, just the whole like the crazy characters and the people, like how it is loved by its community. Oh, yeah. Am I wrong on that, Scott? No, I feel like no. you know Forbidden Zone. No, it's a, it's a much smaller cult for Forbidden Zone, but yeah, it's it's very similar. Just just people just getting to feel like you're you're Let you're your part freak of... flag fly. Yeah, let your yes, freak flag exactly. fly, man. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Check the musical. Huh? Right? <laughs> That's silence. What... There's just silence. That's what you're referencing? Shrek the Musical? No, no one is I, referencing no, Shrek the Musical. End of Act Nobody's, 1? No. End of Act 1, Shrek? No. I can't wait until we cover He's flat Shrek lining. the Musical. He's flatlining. Oh, God. Guys, can you hear me? I'm talking about Shrek. Janine Tesor. Um, Okay. Um, real quick, uh, favorite and least favorite performances. I'm going to start because uh, my favorite performance in this whole thing is uh, motherfucking... Um, uh, Pat, Patr Pat Quinn, ah. Patricia Quinn. As I, I'm fucking obsessed with it. Uh, and I don't really have a least favorite because I think even the people who are like, small, like yeah, Dr. Small Scott parts. is like not good, but it's like works in yeah. every way, shape, and form. So I'm like, great, you know? So yeah, I'm all about it. Uh, I mean, Tim Curry, he's just on an, on another planet uh, pun. And I guess it's not a pun. What is that reference intended? But he's, <laughs> he's uh, phenomenal. <laughs> he's on another level. Mm -hmm. And we should we should reference the fact that at the end they're climbing up that RKO tower yeah. in reference to like the old RKO science fiction yeah. movies kind of. Yeah. And Oklahoma is an old RKO film, it sure so is. there's yeah. a connection. Kind of oh boy! Yeah, it all uh, comes back to performance? Oklahoma. You got one, Pam? That's right. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a beautiful podcast. Um, Pam, last. What, what's your least favorite performance? Again, that, the, I agree. That one's so hard. Um, yeah, they're just they all play their part the way they're supposed to play them. You know, there's nothing negative to say. Yeah. Siege. Oh, Siege. yeah. Tim Tim Curry. Tim Curry is the tops. And that's all I have to say. 
Legend. Or is he the bottoms? Oh, uh, he's both. He does at the both. same yeah, time. He's the <laughs> above. That's right. Uh, Scotty. Uh, I yeah. I mean, it's it's I, it, Tim Curry is it's it's one of the legendary screen performances for me. Like it's just yeah. so perfect in every perfect in every possible way practically perfect. practically perfect yeah, get it right possible, scott yeah you just said it. i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> it oh, is man. unbelievably well Jesus, done so <laughs> don't cross the ladies with the mary poppins you know yeah, back uh, the fuck half off. Of us are, okay half of us are big fans of uh mary poppins returns on this podcast right now and half true. of us aren't oh, true uh, wait who's not um I refuse uh, to see it. I refuse because <gasps> it's, it's not me lovely. and it's not Julie Andrews. But it's and not I just. But it's lovely. it's not that. It's not even like a sequel to that movie. It's totally its own. Movie. I didn't That's think cast me. Like, oh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hate it. It's <laughs> C- CJ's alone on this one. Like I love Emily Blunt. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, will yeah, fight yeah, yeah. all of you. Yeah, I, <laughs> we're gonna fight, soon. and we're gonna fight about the next one that we're gonna yes, talk we about are. too. I already know. <laughs> um, but is there anything else anybody wants to say, Pam? Do you have any final thoughts on on RHPS? I do want to say one thing that. <sighs> yeah. Uh, oh no! Was that a sigh no, of happiness? No, no, that was. Uh, that was like turn her off. It was an art. <laughs> it was an artificial gasp of excitement. <gasps> um, I do want to say a kind of a not fun fact about this movie is the amount of injuries that took place on set were kind of outrageous. So like. Eddie's oh. Eddie's stunt double, who did most of the motorcycle riding because uh, Meatloaf cannot ride a motorcycle, so the <laughs> stunt double um, broke his leg in an accident, and also during that same accident, Meatloaf was harmed, but he got like a couple scratches, and the whole cast and crew went over to Meatloaf and was like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" While the stunt double was like screaming bloody murder a few Aww. feet away, Aww. and it was Meatloaf Meatloaf who said, "I'm fine. Go tend to the person who broke his leg." Like it was Meatloaf who. Stood up for the guy. That's great. Stand up on track. And also, uh, Susan Sarandon got pneumonia. So during the floor show, she's literally shaking from a fever. Jesus Christ. Yeah, intense. Nuts. Oh, okay. Well, that's not good. <laughs> so let's end on that note. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, I guess now we're going to talk about no. It's brilliant, um, though. It's Rocky Horror. Like, go see it. Go see yeah. it at midnight showing. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to go whenever yeah. we can be in public together. Four of us should go. Gonna, I would love should go. We're yeah. doing it. We'll bring a backpack with mics in it, and we're going to record ourselves there. No rice. And <gasps> no rice. No rice. <laughs> And we're going to post it as an episode. My yeah. eye. The doctor says I wasn't supposed to get rice in it. It's in my good eye. <laughs> Rocky Horror Podcast Show. Rocky Horror Podcast Show. Hey, hey, Beige. But What's your Siege. pick? Oh, my pick. Um, So this one, this is one that I chose because I already knew a couple of y'all's feelings about it. And I have a lot of feelings about it. But I also chose it because... Uh, I really wanted to rewatch it. I wanted to have an excuse to rewatch it. So we're about to tackle 2011. Is that the right year? I thought 12. it was 2012. 2012. The 2012 film Les Miserables. What? Now I have to say, I thought this was going to be the one that you were met on. This is the one that I think I like the best of oh, the four. Oh my lord. Wow. Now, <laughs> No. Wow. Now, wow. I have a long thesis about this, but real quick, let's get some context out of the way. I saw this as a kid, you know, the high school that I obviously, you know, I was a this kid. This movie the high came out when you were a kid? No. <laughs> That's not what he meant. I saw the musical itself when I was a kid. The high school did it, and I was blown away, and I knew a lot of the, um, I had friends that were in it because I was a little older when they did it, and I was like, 
obsessed with it. Everyone has, you know, a history with this musical in some way, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It is just one of those that it's it's kind of, the joke is like, is it really your favorite musical or have you been told it's supposed to be? But I think there are people who are purists about this who are like, no, this is it, it's, it's brilliant, there's nothing better. I am not one of those people, but I do love it. And I uh, saw this movie at the uh, Cinerama Dome in Hollywood, mm. uh, like a week or two after it came out. It is the day that I decided to move to Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. So because of my experience with that movie, it wasn't not that it has anything to do with Los Angeles, but I just was bawling uh, at the end of it. And that, that dome experience is incredible mm -hmm. for somebody who's from Wichita, Kansas and hasn't really sat in like a legit theater like that. And it just, it just, it was breathtaking to me. And um, now that I've gotten to rewatch it, I have some opinions on some of the casting, some of the performances, but they're gonna be different than I think other people's. Uh, <laughs> I really watched it with a keen eye. I wanted to take a really uh, a legitimate look at it and say like, how do I really feel about all these performances and about the direction and about how this was done? And I have a lot to say and I'm really fucking excited. But I wanna hear y'all's, uh, um, context with this pam give give us your context and i know we might lose you soon so i want to also make sure get out your sort of like thesis opinion on this as well, well for this. it's interesting because remember how i said that my first experience with oklahoma was seeing my best friend do Lori in high school <clears throat> um so my first experience with les mis was the same girl getting cast as young cosette on the national tour and she oh, worked wow. she worked with ashley tisdale who was the alternate um little cosette little eponine I mean, this show has been with me for a long time because I learned it because she was in it. And uh, when she came back from tour, we were in like fifth grade and she couldn't listen to the music because it was so sad for her to be gone from that experience. Aww. And that show was so an, such an epic part of her life. But it was exactly the time that I learned how to sing on my own brilliantly. <laughs> and uh, she wouldn't listen to <laughs> She wouldn't listen to me do it because it was too emotional for her. And then, of course, Dawson's Creek had Katie Holmes sing on my own on Dawson's Creek, which was a uh, part of your life. It was a troublesome time in WBTV history, but um, <laughs> Dawson's yeah, I mean, prick. I love, I love Les Mis. I do. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, Les Mis was the first professional theater I ever saw. I was seven years old. Uh, we went to the Fabulous Fox in St. Louis. We were like in the first 10 rows. I, I like the fourth or the seventh row. And I was just blown away. Like my family used to do this thing where we would buy tickets to the fabulous Fox, like six months before the show. And then my parents would buy the soundtrack and we would listen to it in the car for the entire lead up to the show. So that we went <laughs> to see the show, we would know the music and we wouldn't I have to concentrate that. on what they were saying. So yeah, yeah. I, I was seven years old. And after I saw it, I knew that I wanted to be in theater. And then, and then, yeah, saw this film. I this was my second time. This is my second watch this time around, um, and uh, I had I had feelings about the movie as well in 2012. So uh, my experience with Les Mis was this came out like as I was coming up and 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 being exposed to theater. So I went through a period where. I was inundated where every, like, it was everywhere. It was, it was, it, it would just, everybody sang it. It just couldn't go away. So I, being a contrarian and all that, like, I had a lot of mixed feelings about it. Although, <laughs> I've told CJ this story. I had a girlfriend who was obsessed with it. Obsessed <laughs> with it. Obsessed with it. 
So I have a memory of uh, being in my girlfriend's Volkswagen Rabbit, listening to the original British, the British cast recording. She she was into both both the Broadway and the British recordings. British recording on cassette while getting a blowjob in her car. And so it's very like, I there's a very misty-eyed nostalgia. It's like, can you hear the people? I can hear everything right now. Um, like it's, so uh, then I, then, then I, but then I didn't get to see a big production of it. And, and then I came to peace with it and learned to love it for what it was and not for what it wasn't. Um, if that makes sense. Like I, I, it's a spectacle and it is Les Mis and we know that it's Les Mis because of the spectacle of it. And what I found was that even Victor Hugo's book, like is, is criticized for it being sort of a melodramatic soap opera that there's not a lot underneath, but that's the point. The, the, and Victor Hugo hated the musical. (laughs) <laughs> he did. He was very negative about it. Very <laughs> negative about it. But, you know, but then, you know, I saw like two or three really great touring shows of it. And, you know, where I had the goosebumps and the whole nine yards. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm I'm just in it. I'm in it. I also saw it for the first time at the Cinerama Dome when it opened here in Hollywood. And I was high as shit. I have very little memory of it. I can't even remember who I was with. And I normally do that very well. And I've had like three or four conversations this week going, Hey man, was it you and me that went to see Les Mis? And it's like, bro, I promise you, I did not go to see Les Mis with you at the Cinerama Dome. Uh, So I'm not, uh, but anyway, so I just rewatched it. I, yeah, I forgot to mention that I, I've seen this done at a few regional theaters, um, specifically Music Theater, which Todd did it maybe five or six years ago. And, uh, you know, there, you can't deny the epicness of this, of the soundtrack. You know, like it's Agreed. it's going to always affect you in some way, uh, even if you have negative feelings about this movie, it still is the music, you know, mm-hmm. it still is the thing. But I haven't seen it, besides the first production I saw when I was a kid, I haven't seen it live where I thought they did it great. Like I, I, I've never felt the epicness that I want to feel from it. Mm. And maybe that's why I love this movie mm, so much that is that totally it gives me the like, you know, it gives me the epic. That that's I want. how I felt about Chicago. Great. I felt that way about Chicago. Cause I saw it yeah. live and I thought it was meh. And then I saw the film and I was like, yeah. Oh, that's mm. fucking cool. But then the film is just blasting in your face and you're like, Oh, this is what that could be. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, I almost feel like, there is a version of Chicago that is that on stage, right? But we're just, I just haven't seen yeah. one. And yeah. same with this. There's mm. a version of Les Mis. Like, I've seen the concert, you know, the, what is it, the 25th anniversary, the, the all these kind of things. I've seen them and, and been blown away by them, but I haven't ever been live right. and, and, and felt that. And I'm, I'm waiting for that. That's what I'm most excited for in my viewings of Les Mis and my, in my future or to maybe put one up. Yeah. Or, that's what I was going to say. It's going to be you doing it. The problem yes. Yeah. Well, I do have a, uh, a version of this that is only seven people. Um, it's my seven person Les Mis. And it's CJ's uh, playing all seven people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, and Harris. It's actually Judas, just Mary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this is this is a good uh, uh, place for you, Scott. You got any uh, bio? You got any uh, historical? Yeah, concept? well, just he just the, says no. He's got nothing. <laughs> no, I guess. Oh. Fuck it. Um, 
yeah so it you know started uh, as a french language concept album much mm -hmm. like um jesus christ superstar um and was performed at the Palais de spelt in 1980 in france paris france mm -hmm. um and then it came uh it, it um Opened in October of 1985 uh, by the Royal Shakespeare Company. It had been developed over, obviously, the lyrics and all that over quite an extended period of time. Became the huge, over 13,000 performances, ran from October of 1985 to July of 2019 on the West End. Uh, wow. Only long, uh, uh, only longer running musical was the Fantastics. Um, it I saw that on the West End, actually. What? The I saw Les Mis on the oh, West End. You? In 2005, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Opened on Broadway in 87, uh, closed in 2003. There's been many, many adapted um, or you know, remounts and, and touring companies and all that stuff. And then the movie was released in uh, on December 5th. 2012. In 2012 at Leicester Square. Leicester Square. Leicester. Leicester Square. Which is very uh, near to when the world was supposed to end, if I remember correctly. Something like that. That was, yeah, yeah. It's ended, barely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right, well, it already ended. Yeah. That was, so basically, this was the end of the world. Was just a few <laughs> numbers off. Just a few numbers off. And then I have many thoughts on the film, so mm -hmm. let's get into it. Um, Let's get the fuck into it. Let's, <laughs> I mean, let's start by talking about Wolverine. So I... Wolverine is is definitely um, uh, uh, giving everything in, in this opening number and beyond. Mm. Uh, how do we feel about Wolverine's performance? Uh, it's the performance for me. Um, I think he's fantastic in it. Uh, despite, I, I think he's horribly directed and put into some very horrible situations because of the direction. I think there are moments that that are trying to be making something intimate that isn't like so um but i i thought he's he's the hero for me there were times that i loved him and there were times that i could have done without some of the things he was doing mm. vocally some vocal things but i do think he's wonderful i mean he's wonderful there's who some, else could some... play Jean Valjean right now. Yeah, you know? there's some gritty talk singing yeah. that happened yeah. that I think if I was on at watching a stage production, I would fucking hate, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And that, that actually leads me into my big thesis about this whole film and what I had to do watching it this time is, and what I've done watching it the first time too is, I, I had to remove it completely from the stage production, mm -hmm. right? You right. have to sort of be like, okay, I know that score so well, so I know I'm going to be singing along with it as he does it. And if he doesn't hit the note that I want him to hit, I'm going to be upset, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to sort of delete all of that from my mind going in. You do it with rent. You do it with other, you know, you're just like, it's not the same thing. I was ready for him to be like, this is the musical theater guy. He, the, I feel like with Les Mis, you have to have a certain level of singing ability to do it well. And it, it's kind of like how I felt about John Legend in Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know why they didn't just pitch down some of the music for him. Like, bring him home. I laughed all the way through because I was like, how many times did he poop his pants while filming this? Because <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's just, it's so high in his range that so many times it's, it's coming out of his nasal mask and it just doesn't sound that good to I me. I half agree with you. 
in that I think there are uh, moments where I don't think it fully works, and this is to your point, Pam, too. But again, back to my my thesis of this film is that to me, if they put up the version of the stage production that we all kind of wanted, it would not have been good. Mm-hmm. We would have been very bored by it. It would have been by rote. It would have been you know its own thing. And what this has that I want from what I really wanted from Sweeney Todd and why Sweeney Todd Ugh. isn't a perfect film to me is that I want the dirt. I want the grit. I want the fucking dirty cam. I want the the weird fucking shit. Now, I have a lot to say about Tom Hooper's direction. I think it's it's shit. But I think... <laughs> I mean, his close-ups, time, his constant close-ups. Yeah, yes, but at the same the time, there are moments where I'm like, no, but that's also... that's. That, it's what differentiates it from theater. Right. I'm not going to watch Les Miserables, the fucking uh, stage show. I'm going to see the movie. And if the movie isn't all up in my face, it's almost like you might as well have just shown me the concert. But the problem is with that is that it's focused so much on the singer and the song instead of the story. Because you're, it's just... It's so close. You're yeah. watching them sing live. That's the whole risky part of this thing. Because I exactly because I think it's more based in the emotions of the people right. than it is about the story. Correct. And I agree with yeah. that. Which is the which is almost the big argument I'm making is that the reason I like this is it it does not behold in itself to the musical mm-hmm. in a good way, and and that's what I do like about it. There are things I you know I, again I'm not. I'm not saying this is a perfect film. I'm giving it like a, a an 80 out of 100. Mm-hmm. But I think I think there are just things that really fucking work about it and it's I I have to say this now cuz I know we're going to get into it. <laughs> I know everybody wants a fucking opera singer to play Javert. I know. I get it. Like I know that's what everybody fucking wants. But even though it was weird casting and doesn't make perfect sense to me, I think Russell Crowe gives one of the top three performances in this He's film. He's flatlining, you guys. Code blue. Yeah. <laughs> blue. I think he is phenomenal in this. I actually felt stars this time. I was like with him completely. I was like, yeah, man, I don't need you to fucking scream to the stars. I don't need you to fucking sing this in the most perfect operatic. If you're going to do this close-up thing, which we've we've given into by that point, by the time he's singing his his final moment, we have given in completely to this stupid Tom Hooper close-up thing, right? So if we're going to do the close-up thing, I want him to be living in it right there in his in his face. But that's my I problem don't... with it is that, look, I'm all about actors first, singing second, but he didn't. I, he didn't em- emote for me. Like, I just didn't feel him, his but feelings. Because it's not... Because it's on film. I don't want him to give more than that, which is why I think I don't like Hugh Jackman sometimes in this film because he's going so theatrical that I'm going like, whoa, you're on stage right now. But then when he gets into those toxic-y, gritty kind of moments, there are times where I'm actually kind of with him because I'm like, yeah, man, like you're on film. Who cares? Like, I don't just let's just be here with you. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. But. I want to hear y'all's thoughts because I know we have them about about Russell Crowe. I, I think I think people have decided it is bad because of their viewings of Les Mis in on stage mm-hmm. rather than actually just seeing it as like because he's an insanely talented actor. We can't let go of that, um, and he's he's doing some interesting things here. Um, go ahead. I'll jump in if, if that's cool, um, <laughs> because I don't entirely disagree with you, Bailey. I think that he put in 
a horribly fun because I like Russell Crowe. And when you break down the character of Javert, who doesn't really have any motivation other than he's he's the villain. He's the he's a, the mustache twirler. And just pride. He's just like prideful. Yeah, yeah but I don't know. He's qu- right. But I don't. Why? Like, why is he so obsessed with got, this dude? He's so godly. Like, that's always the thing that struck me about Javert. He is such a good Christian that he is doing the right thing and he knows it. But yeah. Which is why he kills himself in the end because he's like, oh my God, I've had it wrong this whole fucking time. Yeah, I think that my my problem was my my anger is at Tom Hooper because his quote was, we looked at thousands of actors, thousands of actors, and he was the only one that could do it. And I'm like, maybe, but the the problem is, and 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 my argument partially against your thesis, Bailey, is that it you can't remove this from the musical. You have 35 years of amazing singers singing those songs and then you but put a good a very good actor in a position where he's going to fail. It, but if that's the case, then you have to negate the whole movie. That means well, Anne Hathaway's performance is bad. That means that Anne Jack Hathaway's performance, performance is bad. Is bad. It is no. not bad. Uh, no. She is wonderful. Uh. He is not only the MVP of this film, deserved the Oscar all day, every day. But I would so disagree would with you. This this is this was the contentious part uh, that I, I was afraid of. She oh, broke no. my heart, Scott Leggett. Oh. I, I have no soul, my friend. I see every line from the, her very first gesture, pricking her finger. I see every, she is thinking through all of it. I just see oh. through. And I think yeah. that my problem, my problem with it is that it wouldn't have bothered me if, if, if she didn't win the Oscar against so much better talent mediocre performances i'm gonna read that list to you and tell you why they're not <laughs> no. here we go oh, you, you, you can't i mean sally field isn't great amy adams should have won for the master uh helen hunt is fantastic in the sessions amy jackie adams weaver is just okay i'm tired of people jerking off over amy adams she's amy just, just okay. okay but she's <laughs> but she Agreed. she's better than anne hathaway that's False. just like over like that's the problem with with her performance she's doing a stage performance on screen like there's no no balancing act i gotta go now (laughs) (laughs) no i still got a little time and i don't hate Um, her like i like her like i'm excited to watch the witches i liked her in it's fine you know is it okay um it's fine so i don't hate her i just thought that she just was so overwrought for me that turn that, it, that down it took a notch, Anne Hathaway. It, it's the turn it down the notch Anne Hathaway like it just yeah but then you would have much... then, to me that means you you this movie is is completely negated then like it's almost like yeah she sets the tone from the beginning because Hugh Jackman comes in with that first and you're like oh fuck that the look down stuff is epic right you can't deny the whole ship stuff you're just like oh mm-hmm. my god except for the, the C- except next... for the CG water that doesn't get him or anybody else wet that's the only thing but yes it it is uh, what I, are you talking about that was all practical n- no bro i'm gonna send you the fucking video <laughs> okay all right they shot that in at at fucking um universal where they have where they shoot all the big water scenes and they're spraying there's i mean it's it's green screen behind them but they're they're spraying them with water the whole time yeah uh, yeah it's a whole thing people were slipping
Hey nerds, so I looked this up and apparently we were actually both wrong, so normally Scott does the editing, but I popped in to just let you know that according to MovieLocations.com, the opening scene as Jean Valjean, Hugh Jackman, and the convicts haul a ship into dock under the watchful eye of Javert, Russell Crowe, it was filmed in number nine dock at Portsmouth Historic, Portsmouth? Portsmouth, right? Portsmouth Historic Dockyard, Portsmouth in Hampshire. The working dock, normally used to repair vessels, was not just filled with water, but kitted out with rain and wave machines. That's pretty amazing. It's way cooler than doing it on the Universal lot. So, a little bit of respect to Hooper for that, but a lot of disrespect to Scott for thinking it was CG. <laughs> Come on, Scott. Okay. We'll, we'll get into that later. Wait, can I just bring <laughs> up the Easter egg of Colm Wilkinson being in this? Yeah, that yes. was cool Who, shit. I that that is just uh, I remember I remember vividly when I saw this in theaters because we were stoked to see it. I went with my parents, and um, when he came on, I immediately burst into tears. Aww. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's um uh uh Anne Hathaway is uh best performance of that year and maybe the year after. Um, and... <laughs> incorrect, <laughs> incorrect. Um, like technically and scientifically uh... incorrect, but. <laughs> I think, we just I think disagree. there's a lot of disservice done to all of them by Hooper. And also some of the costuming is a little silly sometimes. Some of the, where it's like, are you do like there's, and I think it's choices, like too many choices made that didn't get questioned in a way mm. where it's like, even the Russell Crowe thing, or I think that could have been questioned a little better. Like he's not the perfect person for this role. I agree with that, Scott, like completely. I just think to go and look at this performance and compare it to the stage ones is hard for me because nobody is doing the stage version of this show. And Anne Hathaway gets a lot of flack for being a music theater kid because she was, and like, especially in the film uh, industry, there's a lot of this like, oh my God, I see the seams. That's a, that's a, actually a common um, uh, problem that and uh, gripe that people have with her. And I, I, I look for it. I try, and maybe I just love my musical theater like schoolmates way too much to like <laughs> right. see it. Like I might have a little blind spot for it, but I'm like, no, this is somebody who gives so much of a fuck about this performance mm -hmm. that they are going all the fucking way in. And maybe I, I maybe I do see a little bit of that seam of like she really knows that she's in Les Mis, mm -hmm. which is fine. But I, I, I can, I'm over that. I'm like, yeah, sure. I know you're in Lame Is. This is epic. Let's go. My least favorite performances of this, Amanda Seyfried yeah, cannot 100%. sing that part. Yeah, 100%. Mine too. She just can't sing it. She's fucking terrible. This and uh, Eddie Redmayne, I think, is awful. But can I say something oh, about him, Oh, we agree. Oh. What? No, God. No, Bailey and I agree on Eddie Redmayne. Well, can I just say, though, that Empty Chairs and Empty Tables is one of those songs that I would skip normally. And mm. I actually really loved his... Did I love him throughout the whole film? No. But mm -hmm. Empty Chairs and Empty Tables, for me, I thought he nailed it. I thought he nailed it. Sure. I felt emotions. I, I, I won't say nailed it, but I, I, I sat there going like, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, I felt emotions. I was like, oh, okay, but it, I couldn't tell if it was the song. <laughs> but also his performance, he gives, you know, he's an emotional actor. He can give a performance, but he I can don't do like his pouchy. voice. And I don't like really a lot of his, yeah, his especially flirtation with, um, with Cosette. I can't, I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm not with you. I'm just not. I'm, it, not a, I'm not it, a fan. That was weird casting. Can I tell you, can I share my performance? Like, yeah, we can talk about Eddie Redmayne and Amanda and 
I was really disappointed with Sasha Baron Cohen. I and, loved him. Loved oh, him. See, I felt I so thought, blue balled by Master of the House. Like I so did incredibly too. Like I just thought it was song. by that point. Like that that song should like give you a little release there and it's so dark and dirty and i think that's uh, directorially i think directorially it has some issues with the way that it's done because that's a big number on stage and the way it's done is just bit after bit after bit yes that's it that's it it's so funny uh my favorite was Anne. my uh and sasha and my least favorite was uh probably helena bottom carter but that might just be personal Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. But I didn't I love think, her in it either. It was I think the two not, of them. She's not pulling her weight. She's not pulling her weight at all in those scenes. And Sasha is doing a dry thing that you would never see on stage from that character because that character is normally bumbling clown, I love and he's him. doing a dry sort of whatever that I like. And I, I like him. I, I like him a yeah. lot. I just, again, I think that a lot of this it wasn't even necessarily about the casting of those two. It was, it was the direction. And when yeah. I look at, not to go off on a tangent about uh, about him as a director, but when you look at like the King's speech, the King's speech succeeds because of Jeffrey Rush, because of Colin Firth, because of Helena Bottom Carter. The direction is is not that interesting. No, there's you know there's production design elements I liked in that movie a lot. Cooper also directed Cats. Yeah, I know. I'm, oh, I was God. about to say like his his career may be, he may be going back to just directing television. Uh, Cause yeah. like, I don't know how you come back from. I've still got to watch that. I don't know how you come back from that. My favorite performance in the whole, in all of it is calm. He's, Ugh. I think the, that I think that in bringing him back at the end, just, mm. you know, mm-hmm. just rips for him to shreds. say like, Hey guys, remember I was the original one. I was I the, a better I job. Was he. he was me. <laughs> Um, and woo, and woo. Well, yeah, actually, uh, I have to. I have to head out, you guys. I love you all so much. Oh my god! Thank you for joining. Hey, Pam, this was a have, blast. You have, we love you so much. If you have five seconds, can you give us your rankings four to one of these movies? Go. Oh God. Um. Four. Oklahoma. Three. Jesus Christ. Two. Les Mis. One. Uh. Rocky Horror. Yes. Amazing. All right. We love you, Pam. You're the best. Oh, love you guys. Thanks. Such a pleasure having you, lady. You've been Bye-bye. amazing. Thank you. May I may I say one thing about Russell Crowe? <laughs> yes. Go um, in. This Go is in. and and I started saying it during Jesus Christ Superstar, but I wanted to wait till we got to Les Mis. To me, Russell Crowe is the quintessential reason why you shouldn't be doing stunt casting with celebrities. Because before I even saw this movie, all I heard was about how fucking terrible Russell Crowe was. And exactly. The yeah. thing that I appreciate about Jesus Christ Superstar is nobody in there was a known entity before right. that movie came out. And I, I, Scott, I hear you on the whole thing. Like you got to get names in there to sell, to get butts and seats, but it's lay Miz. Like, I think they could have well, cast this with a bunch of completely different people and people still would have come to see this movie. I agree. But unfortunately like Hollywood doesn't yeah. understand basic the money. shit like that, which it's like, it's so simple. You're exactly right. CJ, in my opinion, yeah. this should have been all no names and then maybe fantine or somebody you throw like one person in there that's just like gives a fucking blow away performance but everybody else you're i i 1000 yeah i agree like i let 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 lay miz sell itself like you know you can just do it well just do it well but and i think but again as as an entity that's why i'm i'm trying to separate the argument from like this as a musical and this as this movie as an entity it's such an interesting piece because there are so many like 
like countering conflicting things going on. It's like, why did you cast this person? Why is this how you're shooting this? There's a, a scene later between Hugh Jackman and uh, Eddie Redmayne in that, in his like little like gray apartment where the angles are so fucking weird that you're like, I don't, what is happening? I'm not even listening to what they're saying because of the way you're shooting this, you fucking idiot. So like, I, I have a lot of issues with that, but if you, it, there's this really interesting way to watch this movie as like a study in how Hollywood and it's same with End of the Woods, like how Hollywood and Broadway interact and how they think they have to put up a movie with people like Amanda Seyfried as Cosette. You could have cast anybody as Cosette. Yeah. That I didn't hate her as matter. much as you guys did, actually. Well, she can't hit the notes. That's why she has that insane vibrato. She doesn't have enough right. uh, uh, breath support. She needs so to eat the cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> the whole um, fucking show. I mean, I will. Uh, go ahead, Siege. I just, I wanted to give you all my thesis about this movie because I I was kind of proud of it. I feel like this movie, sure. and I, you could even say this musical, is the Pete Buttigieg of movie musicals. And any anybody, <laughs> okay. anybody that is a hardcore theater person or is hardcore in love with this show, had a problem with this movie, could pick it apart, has all of these things to say. But if this movie brings a couple people into theater that weren't normally yeah. into it, then yeah. I'm down for it. Because for I, saw, sure. yep. I saw Pete Buttigieg do that with a bunch of people from home that I knew as Republicans, and now yeah. they really liked him, and now they're thinking differently. Hmm. That's a great take. It's sort yeah. of like Rent as well, where I'm like, yes. even if I have a lot of problems with Rent, I, I, the fact that it brought me and a lot of other people into that side of, of theater a side of theater that wasn't being shown on on TV and like and things like that, you know. And same with the live things. If if we we're getting to show Jesus Christ Superstar to some people so that they go look up this movie, yeah, you know, because they saw Alice Cooper do it and they go, oh, I like Alice Cooper, cool, I'm gonna watch this thing. And then they go watch the real movie and it, maybe it changes their mind. That's a great take. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Buttigieg is lame. <laughs> Buttigieg is lame. Um, I'm sure he loves it. Um, yeah, let's do uh, sort of. Final Les Mis thoughts. Yeah, I, I throw out a couple people that I think are worth mentioning. Um, Daniel Huddlestone as Gavroche. Uh, gives mm, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Yeah, he was mm, great. Yeah. They cut his song down a bit, though, don't they? Um, it's funny because I was looking through what the differences were because um, they added the one song to try and get did an Did not Oscar. need the added song. Nah. I didn't uh, they need They didn't it. need it. I didn't yeah. need that. I agree. Yeah. They did um, cut his down a tiny bit, I do believe. I just like minus like even just one verse, but I just remember being sort of like, oh, I remember that being a longer song, mm -hmm. but maybe not. Uh, but his death is you know solid. Uh, Aaron Tveit, uh does all right. Uh, he sings the fuck out of it because he's got a good voice, but I've heard he's a total asshole. So good to know. Oh, wait, who, mm. who did he play? Uh, Angel Ross. I that's one of my favorite roles, and I thought I thought he did do a great job. I had no idea what he was. I didn't hear that he was a shit heel. Well, but. he's just he's you know he's a big guy. He's uh, uh he originated I think um next to normal. He was the son. In okay. Uh, okay. Has done a bunch since then, and um you know people people really love him, but I've just I I personally just heard negative things about mm. uh, people working with him, and it's not great. But I you know that could be bullshit. That's a little inside baseball, but um. Another person that I think is worth uh, shouting out is, um, uh, well, not person, excuse me, but uh, a group of people is the women uh, at the beginning and the lovely ladies mm. uh, stuff is, and, and, and before, all of the Fantine storyline I think is really 
well cast. Uh, the the chorus really works for me. Um, mm-hmm. I you know uh, Tom Hooper has a quote where he talks about. Sorry to drone on about this, but uh, uh, Tom Hooper has a quote where he talks about his direction and how he feels like he's informing the story and informing the moment with everything he does, and he's constantly changing lenses and constantly changing the way that he moves and stuff like that. And it makes for me it it's everything we're saying negative about it, but it makes. Do you hear the people sing one of the most lackluster parts of this whole? The first yeah, time? Mm. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it it also <laughs> I have a buddy of mine, uh, not a theater person, but he was an old high school buddy that's always kind of like he always came to my shows and he always and he said, you know, and he saw ended up seeing Les Mis on Broadway and he came back to me and he was like, you know, when I think about big over the top musicals, this is what I think about. And he was kind of trying to break it down. I'm like, don't you know, don't pull on the threads on this because th- there's not a lot that holds up to Right. to scrutiny but one of them is hey man you remember when all them rich college kids came and took your furniture to build a fort like it's <laughs> it's like Basically, it's like yeah. they built it and and i just thought i was like that that shot in, in the movie it looks like they're shooting at universal at diagon alley like it, it, it doesn't does. look real it doesn't no, it does i agree with that that's that's an interesting part that then but for some reason, like, is completely redeemed for me at the end when they do the giant barricade with everyone. And it's, you know, all the dead people come back and it's the huge, massive final shot is the, like, wall barricade that they've built. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I wanted to see in this movie, right? Okay. Because the Man. thing you can't do in the sh- the real show is make a giant barricade. You, it ends up always being kind of dinky. You're like, oh yeah, they're right. behind like some desks, right? But mm-hmm. like, and that's how that whole thing feels. It's like, oh, they're just in this little like alleyway. This is weird. I wanted to think that this was like an epic revolution <laughs> like, right, and it's almost yeah. not. And I kind of like it. I kind of like the choice. It becomes this like little bullshit revolution. And you're like, oh, does this really matter? So then at the end when it's you see the whole barricade and you're like, it's a microcosm. It's all for the, you know, it's it's about the bigger revolution that's going on and the small stories that are happening behind it. And like I'm like, okay, great. I love it. Brilliant. Sure. Um, so there, <laughs> I can give Cooper a couple props for that. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up was Samantha Barks, who, uh, you know, is, most recently was doing Pretty Woman uh the musical on Broadway, I think is her big thing that she was doing for a while. And I think she does a great job uh, with on my own. I, mm. I, think it's a nice... I liked, well, and I mean, I mean, I'm familiar with the London cast recording and that right. Eponine That's has her. such a specific voice. And yeah. so I, yeah, I really dug her. But version. this is, this is the Eponine from the um, concert version, the filmed concert version. She yeah. Right. She was one of the actual theater people in it yeah. Yeah. that yeah, knew yeah. the show really well. Right. Yeah. It Which was the role that... to do for just that role, but I, I'm, I'm all about, it. I wish it had been more of that. Yeah, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it was the one that you could roll the dice on. Oh, I can take yeah. this Broadway person and we can put her in this part. And, yeah. you know, it's I think, you know, it's it's just a weird thing that Hollywood and it, it's happened a lot recently, yeah. especially with this generation of musicals, uh, you, you, Les Mis and Into the Woods and uh, The Cats and Phantom even, where mm-hmm. these sort of this uneven trying to get a movie star, Sweeney Todd, um, you're trying to get a movie star to, to pull off this thing. And it's it's right. like, but that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. It's the it's, same it, issue I have with Todd, exactly, where I'm just like, man, I just, I kind of just wish you had just, just pulled fucking um, uh, 
Cerberus off of Broadway and put them in it. You know? Or just put it, put a nobody in there. Yeah. Put a nobody, you know. I or just some, want to yeah, be like, some... it's ours. It's <laughs> ours. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think that's maybe part of my aversion to like, or not aversion, but part of the reason why I really wanted to watch this differently this time, and is mm-hmm. is that I don't, I I I try not to compare movie musicals to their stage counterparts because they are so they are just different entities, and it's maybe why I liked it so much this time is that so many people, music theater like, um, uh, purists don't like it. Mm-hmm. Makes me like it a little more. I think. <laughs> no, I was like, like it's yeah, funny. Well, it's so funny because normally I'm 100 percent with you, and yeah. for this one, I, I I just couldn't I couldn't separate them as much. I, I and sure. I and, and I tried. You know, uh, final may I con- just share? I have a fun Les Mis group story. Um, back yeah. in the days when we could congregate in public, I had a we have friends that um do like a karaoke day where you rent out one of those rooms Mm. Um, and it's one of our theater people friends and they do it for their birthday every year. And it's like an eight hour long thing. You can go in whenever you want. And I went in and there was probably like a dozen of us there and a gal, Lissa Preston, who has an amazing fucking voice and Guy Pico both (laughs) picked master of the house. Oh my God. And they sang the respective roles. And then, and then when the chorus came in, it was a room full of theater people, so all of us sang the the chorus, That's and it's amazing. Just one of my favorite theater people memories I've had in L.A. <laughs> That's a blast. Oh uh, yeah, because Alyssa Alyssa is like a legit opera singer. She was yeah. in the European tour of Hair. Like yeah. she's she's made her money on her and when, voice and ger- German opera houses and all kinds yeah. of crazy. Shit. And guy's been. You know he's he's been in Peter Brook shit like in England and and British and very like, he would he would kill playing that part. That's great. That's a great story. That's a great story. Uh, Scott, you had a thought that or like a ph- philosophical uh, thought. I think you wanted to throw out there. What was that? Philosophical a question thought. or something. I remember at the beginning. You said oh, I just want if if you were exposing for each of these four that we picked, if you were exposing somebody for the very first time that they had no knowledge of this, would you show them, what would you show them? The theater version, the film version, or, you know, or neither. Like how would you expose somebody to Oklahoma for the first time or Jesus Christ superstar? Would it be the movie or the, or the play or the musical? I probably wouldn't show anybody Oklahoma for the first time. <laughs> um, no, I mean, Oklahoma's not one I would like show somebody as like, this is classic music theater that you need to know. I would rather show them South Pacific or another R&H that I think is more profound or like Carousel or something. But I think I would have to do live version first since that that's the original, you know, and then ad- adapt it into film and then show them the film. And I'd love to hear their... Hmm. sort of mm. take on each yeah. not having as much of a background with it I think would be really interesting but I think I'd much rather show somebody the source material first yeah I mean I'm I'm thinking about it I I I honestly know some people that feel very uncomfortable at the idea of sitting in a theater and watching live theater uh-huh. which is why I'm like that's good we've got a movie for you I'd almost be interested right. Lay Miz specifically I'd almost be interested to have someone sit down and watch that movie with me that knows nothing about it and see what their mm-hmm. reaction to mm-hmm. that story is. And and the music and everything that doesn't have a preconceived notion of how it should be. And then I might Wait. be like, this has been a live thing for decades now. And yeah, that would Okla- be an agreed on experience. Oklahoma, Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
that would yeah i would love rocky, to show that. actually rocky horror i don't i is actually one that i think i would take somebody to a, a group showing of it before Ooh, ever yeah. taking them to a, <laughs> yeah that's yeah like that's said, that's the asterisk yeah, that's the one because it siege like getting shown it by somebody who's like, "What? You haven't seen that? Let me go put it on." That is the worst way to be shown most <laughs> movies, let alone a cult classic like Rocky Horror. You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. just it's not meant to be watched that way. And Bailey, I have to say also, I totally agree with you on the Les Mis thing. I remember appreciating that about the film when I first saw it is the grit and the dirt and yeah. the grossness that is going on and it's you It's kind of what I wish uh, Sweeney had I said this earlier mm -hmm. but I wish Sweeney had a little more of that I wish Tim Burton could let go of the the cleanliness a little bit and give mm -hmm. us a little more just like ugh, I just want it to feel a little dirtier just a mm -hmm. little more you know mm -hmm. that that does this well um let's rank them real quick guys I want to hear your rankings on this what is uh uh what are you thinking what four three two one Scott go um I would go Oklahoma then I would go Les Mis, Jesus Christ Superstar, Rocky Horror, number one. Nice. Nice. Siege? Um, Oklahoma. We Rocky all hate the consensus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rocky Horror. Wait. Yes. Oklahoma, Rocky Horror, Les Mis, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, and I think Rocky Horror will rise in the ranks for you once you see it properly. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, yeah, yeah, you know what? Come to think of it, I want to put Les Mis third and then Rocky yeah. Horror. Because, yeah, it is Rocky Horror for me. It is solely because I've only right. watched it twice. It's a circumstantial watch. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, okay. Um, number four, Oklahoma. Consensus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, what if I said Les Mis? Uh, no. Number four, Oklahoma. Number three. Okay. If I'm really being completely honest with myself in, in terms of like these movies themselves and mm -hmm. not the musicals, because mm -hmm. that's a different list, then it goes Oklahoma, Jesus Christ Superstar, Rocky Horror, Les Mis. But if I was doing, <laughs> Les Mis is my number one, but if I was doing the musicals, that would be a totally different list and it would be like Oklahoma, Rocky Horror, Les Mis, Jesus, Jesus Christ Superstar. Like, I would put Jesus Christ Superstar at the top of my, like, actual musical. I fucking love that. The, right the on. Score of it. Is there anything you'd really love to play? I'd love to play Javert someday. Mm. Um, <sighs> yeah, mine was, you know, Jesus, Judas, Simon, and Herod. But also, yeah. Les Mis, it's funny how I, it's changed for me because as a kid, everyone was like, well, you can play Little Cosette. And I, will, and I actually always <sighs> wanted to play Gavroche. Uh, but Ooh, yeah. now at this age, I would fucking kill to be either of the Tenardiers. Um, yeah. I also like Angel Ross and yeah. Jean Valjean. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Ten Tenardier um, would That'd be, be up great, there. That'd be great, Scott. You'd be a great. Team. Yeah. I guess mean, <laughs> you two as the Tenardier. All right. When I do my seven person, you guys will do those two, which means you would also play. Oh, uh, Siege, you would also play Angel Ross. Yes. Yeah. I'll have to pull out that actual like casting and how that all works and show it to you guys sometime. It's really cool. The one I want to direct the most is is JCS, and that's a recent thing. Like for a long time, I was like, nah, I don't want to. But I would yeah. love to to do that and not fuck with it too much. Like it, it it would really be about trying to fill fill him out and trying to to, to see him. I uh, I recently read the. 
the Gospel of Judas, which is like a discovered, you know, mm-hmm. archaeological thing. And the, the premise, the idea that uh, that Judas was kind of the number one student, that he was the, the one that really understood what was going on, mm-hmm. and which is kind of how it plays itself out, I think. He says but, it in the lyrics, I've been your right-hand man all along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that that's the one that I would... Uh, <laughs> It's twisted round some other way. I fucking live for that song. It's I will great. sing it's the great. whole thing right now for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this has been kind of an incredible uh, season so far. We only have a few more miniseries before the end of our season one. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, man, a whole year. Yeah, so thank you so much, theater nerds, thirds, yeah. whatever we're calling you, for joining us um, for our bonus mini-series on movie musicals. This has been a ride. Uh, yes. We'll be back next week. Oh, and thank you so much to Pam Quinn for being on Pam. for doing that mashup. She did a phenomenal mashup of uh, songs from each of the four <laughs> movies. That is phenomenal. Um, I said phenomenal twice in that sentence. We'll be back <laughs> next week to discuss... Wait. What are we doing next week? Oh, oh, Vogel. oh we're, we're doing Paula Vogel. How yes, I learned to podcast with our guest Natalie. She's gonna uh, she's gonna blow us away with a lot of her wait. stories about working with Paula and different things like that. Can't wait for that. Um, and then after that, uh, we're we're we don't actually know what we're gonna do. We should talk about this after we record because we kind of need to close out the season. We had other plans, but it's not really working out. So we're gonna because COVID is still a thing. So it's a whole thing. We're going to figure it out. But we do know we're going to be hitting Shakespeare as our final miniseries in mm-hmm, this season. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, do the histories, the tragedies, and the, the comedies. And it's going to be a whole thing. We're going to have some guests. We're going to make CJ read them all. <laughs> the whole canon. Um, no, we're very excited. It's going to be a blast. But follow us on all the things. Uh, at theater underscore theater underscore pod on Instagram. Also follow our Twitter. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page and email us if you have anything at theater theater pod. If you have any questions or concerns with what we're talking about, if we're being super offensive about Les Mis or Rocky Horror, and you got to correct us about something, get get in there. All right. Yeah. Um, what movie you, musicals Pam. do you want us to do next time? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, let us know what you want us to do. We'll we'll take we'll start taking. Um, suggestions that'll be super fun uh we definitely have to revisit this because the next one is going to be so what we're going to do is the next bonus is going to be original movie musicals like la la land or like you know things that were made as a movie that are a musical all right but we're not based on a previous stage show so that's rocket man is gonna is one of the you know oh i thought we were doing movie musicals that became musicals does that make sense? Uh, but I, I see mean, what you're they, saying. They I see could, what you're saying. You know, they could in theory, but um, I don't know which ones we're going to do. I have a feeling CJ will choose Rocket Man. <laughs> I'm definitely going uh, to uh, – Tommy is on my list if, if Scott doesn't choose it. Things like that. We're, we're, we're going to make it super fun. I might choose La La Land just for shits and giggles just so we can get into it. Um, but all that to say, uh, we love you. Mouths and butts are the same thing. Pam mm-hmm. and uh, – Ryan, Ryan Thomas Johnson for our incredible theme song. Thank you yes. both. Yes. Uh, thank you, Annie Baker, for writing our script. Thank you, um, Annie Baker. Can't wait to have a beer with you. You and Kat. Yeah. And um, as always, Russell Crowe deserved the Oscar for that performance. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> mouths and butts are the same thing. I don't know why I got to keep that going, but I want to make sure. No, no, you, no you should no. be proud. It needs okay. to be known. 
Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of mouths uh, in 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 musicals, you know, because they gotta sing. So that means there's also a lot of butts. Yes. Are we still recording? <laughs> no, no, I turned this off like ten minutes. Great. Ago. No, I'm just Great. kidding. Perfect. Uh, well, fuck me then, and uh, we love you guys so much. Please rate, subscribe, review. Yes. Later. Uh, we thank love you. you. Yeah. Michael Lanny.